Hi friends! Welcome to our podcast, Allegedly Okay. I'm Amy. And I'm Rose. For today's topic, we're going to be talking about our experiences in a community that essentially hates progressives or any deviation towards equality for all people. Because that is communism, and we escaped that, allegedly. So, before we get into it, we want to acknowledge that we love our community, and we're really sad to see the impact of the pandemic on anti-Asian sentiment, especially in more recent times with the attacks on both young and old folks. We're glad that President Biden has signed a memorandum condemning and combating racism towards Asian Americans, but there's still a lot of work to do. I guess let's get started. We grew up in a community, a Vietnamese community, with very conservative values. So that means we had to always respect our elders, even if we knew they were wrong. We had to be luksut, which is like proper, and we had to vang lai, which is be obedient. So they told us who we could date, when we could date, and we were always going to Viet classes church school classes, and mass every week. And so... For like six hours, right? Yeah. And as a child, that is not fun. Then, and I guess pre-pandemic, we were both pretty active in the community. My parents especially were in, and they still are in church organizations and are pretty well respected in the community. So as their child, as somebody that's very visible, I've always been, I guess under this pressure to be good, like a role model. And sometimes people would come up to me and you're like, oh, you're so-and-so's daughter. Wow, you're so good. (laughs) And my friends would tell me that too. Like sometimes um, redacted, (laughs) his grandparents would talk to him and be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) your friend is so nice. (laughs) You should be like her. Yeah. Anyway, growing up in that community, I think I was very, uh, not outspoken, but I think that carried on until college. I mean, a little in high school, I started recognizing not comfortable patterns of, I don't know. We started noticing disparities. Yes, because we grew up in an inner city neighborhood and we took the bus to a predominantly white upper middle class high school. And so you could tell that there were differences. (laughs) When we were in college and we started taking different classes, we became more and more progressive. So I'll take over from here to talk more about the organization that we grew up in because I was pretty active up until the pandemic. We have prominent roles in this organization and we constantly had to find a balance between this like conservative value family and then having to find the balance between our progressive liberal sides which is kind of difficult because we would go to a lot of gatherings and interact with these people and we would hold back when these individuals would say offensive and ignorant things because there were a lot of times where we would go to like dinners and they would say something and they think it's funny but me you and our friend redacted would just sit back (laughs) And would be like, what? That is not funny. Or like when the Facebook group chat pops off. And I'm the only one disliking the messages. <laughs> Anyways, all of these experiences, we were like, okay, that's fine. We could handle it. But since all of the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020 and also the recent elections, 
they our relationship with them definitely has gotten worse i feel like we don't have a relationship with them anymore but maybe they don't know that we think because <laughs> we don't say anything i mean we left the group chat but that's because we both said that we weren't going to be involved as much anymore mm-hmm. be- for other reasons so i feel like we cut them off but they don't know <laughs> okay that's the thing like i don't think we cut them off out of hate I have a lot of love for these people and they've taught me a lot of things and I'm really grateful for all of our experiences. But at the end of the day, if your values don't align and you can't have basic conversation with them, like you should just let them go, mm-hmm. you know? So in order to dive even deeper into our experiences in this community, I thought it'd be important for Rose to tell us how we met. Do you actually remember? Because I don't. I feel like when you're young and you make friends, you just, one day you're friends and that's that. Um, We used to be part of these performances. The literal translation would be flower offerings (laughs) for certain holidays. I don't know, anniversary things. And so we met through that and we really bonded over (laughs) (laughs) K-pop music and so recently we've been looking into invest into better microphones and that's funny because the first episode we recorded with a microphone that we bought together like almost 10 years ago it was 10 years ago wasn't it anyway so we were some of the few sane people in that organization i'm kidding but also I don't know, these people be saying crazy things. But they might think that we were the crazy ones because we were the minority. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't even really want to join this organization, but my parents forced me into it. I don't even know if it was my parents, actually. I just remember that the church had this initiative where they had all the kids that were in catechism classes and Vietnamese class to be a part of this organization since it was after the classes and before when mass would be. I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of cool moments, of course, where I met Amy and some other really good friends, but there was definitely a lot of clicks, a lot of drama, a lot of competition because for some reason we had these annual exams on, I don't know, Bible material and miscellaneous like Like practical skills yes some of the youth leaders i used to really look up to as role models and some of them are still good people they're not involved with the organization anymore either but others there were a lot of bullies a lot of misogynists a lot of racists and a lot of homophobes so amy yeah i feel like i should be the one to provide more details because like i said i was pretty active in the youth group up until the pandemic. So again, just want to preface this by saying that I'm grateful for my experiences through this group. I feel like I gained a lot of leadership skills and I met the most important people in my life through this group. And we were a family. Like I honestly believed we were a family and you know, families have political disagreements. Why I wanted to stay in this group for so long is because I thought that I could be that one person or that one leader that would provide information to these kids that wouldn't have been given by anyone else, like topics including racial injustice, gender inequality, socioeconomic inequality, and all the other fun stuff. And which is kind of ironic because as Catholics, we're always like, oh, we have to love thy neighbor mm-hmm. or whatever. God's greatest commandment. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll be like, oh, we have to treat each other equally. And we have to do this, blah, blah, blah. 
But then if we were to ever speak up about those kind of things, we would be in trouble to be like, oh, why did you say that? Or you shouldn't have. I think the mentality was like, oh, the leader's like, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but don't try to feed it into the minds of the kids. So yeah. And I loved being a leader and I loved my kids, but I was fed up, especially around the time when peaceful protests by Black Lives Matter started happening all over the U.S. in 2020. And this is when I knew or I realized that a large part of our youth group members were anti-Black. Just for context, for those who don't know what Black Lives Matter or BLM is, it's an organization that was founded by Alicia Garcia. Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi. I'm sorry if I butchered their names. And it was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of the murder of Trayvon Martin, who was a 17-year-old who was on his way back from a trip to the convenience store. And in this past summer of 2020, protests began again after surveillance footage revealed that a cop knelt on George Floyd's neck for a total of 8 minutes and 46 seconds. So... When these protests started happening, this is when I saw my relationships with those in the youth group starting to worsen. It was kind of hard on me because some of these people that I was arguing with, like they were our leaders, like they were the generation before us. And we looked up to them so much on like how to become good leaders and good people. So when I saw these people starting to post about how they felt bad for businesses that are suffering from quote unquote riot and how it shouldn't be black lives matter, but all lives matter, I think this person literally posted a video like from what's that annoying girl's name Candace Owens oh yeah of trying to justify George Floyd's murder anyways I find myself constantly arguing with this person on Facebook and I just couldn't do this anymore and it wasn't just me arguing with her it was like a lot of people and this person would be like oh I get it now like I understand thank you for informing me but then she'll go around and post something else that contradicts what she just said so that's why I was like that's it like they're not gonna learn from us so I'm not gonna keep trying but through this protest what really broke my heart was that when one of my students they dm'd me on instagram commenting or responding to something that I posted on my story and they were like why do you care so much you know some black people are bad blah blah blah. like just a lot of ignorant stuff and that's when I went off this girl is someone that I've seen constantly culturally appropriate black culture and also use black culture as part of her aesthetic like if you go on their Instagram it's pretty obvious and it was embarrassing and heartbreaking for me because now I'm like did I just waste the past two years holding these discussions and giving these type of lessons and I guess they didn't get to her so but you got to the other kids allegedly I don't know I think so (laughs) if my if my kids are listening to this and <laughs> you think it's you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I feel like you'll know. <laughs> anyway, this girl, I should have known better about who she was because lately I've been seeing her join pyramid schemes and going to huge parties during the pandemic. So that's when I was like, I should waste my breath arguing with her, you know. So fast forward, we're like a year after all the arguments. Oh wait, before the elections, I'm still on the email listserv or whatever, and they're like, make sure you vote for the right candidate. And somebody replied with the winky face, and they were like, yeah, already voted. It was like a vibe, like, if you vote for Biden, you're going to hell. Yeah. Anyways, fun fact, we, when we thought like all of this was over, we saw a couple, I think it was like eight people from our, yeah, from our organization, that's a lot of people, sign this petition. To, for a recount for the election. 
And I was like, okay, losers, move on. That's what you told us to do when Trump won. But anyways, these are just some interesting experiences that I had. But at least they weren't constant for me at home. But I know your story is a lot different, Rose. Yeah, so I was going to move back home anyway since after college I took a gap year. But with the pandemic, I did not expect to be stuck at home for that long. For context, my family moved to a smaller place while I was in college. And because of that, I now live in the living room. So I don't really have any personal space. The only alone time I had was in the middle of the night. So I had a super awful sleep schedule. And because I live in the living room, it's never quiet because my dad is up pretty early or my brother is up pretty late listening to the news. And as you all know, the news cycle then and I guess even now, especially with the past president, it was a constant barrage of anxiety inducing things. And since the news nowadays is so accessible, even if it's not that accurate, it's just always constantly around us. So my dad would listen to media from several devices, including the TV in the living room, the TV in his bedroom, and his phone, all at full volume at the same time. (laughs) And at first, it was fine because I could sometimes block it out, but that's every single day, every single waking minute. And I think for a while, he's been listening to Fox News because, you know, they're the ones that have always supported the previous president. But ever since they said something negative about him, he moved over to One America News. And a lot of really crazy Vietnamese YouTubers and Facebook pages. And he has always leaned Republican, but something about retiring and being stuck at home put him down this crazy rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. And since we were home all the time and it was raining, I couldn't even go outside. (laughs) So at this point, I honestly don't remember what was pissing me off so much because there was just so much constantly that I just tried to block it out. Personally, I don't think the previous president was very charismatic. He sounded unintelligent to me, but I think a lot of people saw his forcefulness and anger as strength. And I think what really irked me is that, you know, as a Vietnamese Catholic, we have these values that, okay, the Ten Commandments, you're not supposed to (laughs) commit adultery, you're not supposed to lie, you're not supposed to steal, but this man had multiple wives. He sexually assaulted countless women, and somehow people still think that he and his family are role models. Didn't he throw, like, tear gas at people in that church so he could take the picture with the Bible? What psychopath does that? (laughs) And it's not, like, protesters that he was throwing it at. It was at nuns and pastors and all that. Yeah. Anyway, so it really boggles my mind when I see my dad or some people in the organization and some priests. I saw a priest share, like, this Photoshop picture of Trump being hugged by Jesus under this divine light. (laughs) Yeah, I've been seeing stuff like that, too. Like, I would see priests say stuff, like, basically talking smack about Biden and Kamala Harris during their preaching, which is weird. Because they're supposed to be telling us lessons from the Bible to be good people. Separation of church and state who? 
does not exist. Anyway, any time that I've tried to call my dad out on misinformation, he tells me that I'm listening to fake news. And so last summer, I translated some quotes from Mickey Kendall's Hood Feminism to try to get through to my dad about racism for Father's Day. And back then, he told me he understood what I was trying to say and he left it at that and I was like yeah that's a win but then fast forward to maybe a couple weeks ago I forget what we were arguing about but he was like you know that pamphlet that you made me that's fake news <laughs> I was so sad he's like I understand I understand yeah he's like bohio bohio which is dad understands but he does not and so my brothers they always argue with him too but he's just super stubborn. Whenever I tell him that his dumb arguments stress me out, he insists that it's just healthy discussion for fun. I don't think you can have a fun discussion about a criminal that has hurt so many people in so many different ways. And I was looking at some data from the 2018 Asian American Voter Survey by APIA Vote and AAPI Data, and they found that 42% of Vietnamese Americans identify as Republicans, and 28% as Democrats, 28% as others, and also that an overwhelming 64% approved of the way the ex-president was handling his job. And of course, I can't speak for everybody, but I think that the main reason that Vietnamese Catholics support Trump is just two things. One, he's anti-abortion, and two, he always calls out China, and there have always been high tensions between Vietnam and China. There's a very complicated history, but we won't get into that. Anyway, right before the election, I went to a virtual open circle discussion about like how we're feeling about the elections, what we can do to talk to the other side. And somebody, while I was sharing my experience with my dad, who's an immigrant, prisoner of war, etc., they told me that immigrants want to support Trump because they're trying to identify with their oppressor to feel powerful. And I don't know the psychology behind that, but I can. I don't think I'll ever truly know everything that happened to my dad in his experiences before, during, and after the war, the Vietnam War. But I know why talking about equal opportunities can be scary because a lot of families were torn apart, a lot of landowners were murdered, and a lot of money was taken. And so after reading a lot of books about both sides of the war, the North and the South, I know that it's a very complicated history. Above all of that, I respect and I love my dad because of all the sacrifices that he made and everything that he has provided throughout my life. I know he loves me, but it's hard to talk to him sometimes because my vocabulary is lacking in Vietnamese. And sometimes he laughs at me when I ask what a word means or I don't know what it is. But I'm like, Dad, you didn't teach me. How am I supposed to know? And it's hard to learn Vietnamese because Duolingo, it's weird. I can feel the translations are weird. I took a year of Vietnamese in college and I don't remember anything from that class. Vietnamese is hard. Anyway, he's really stubborn and I don't know how to help him and I don't know how to have an actual productive conversation with him and I think one thing that makes me really sad is I think he feels that too because one time he told me something along the lines of like 
I'm afraid you don't love me anymore. Like, I remember that. It's not that I don't love you, Dad. It's that. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. So instead of trying to argue with him on the daily, I'm trying to refocus my energy on tangible change, whether that's through working with my community or through creative outlets. AKA this podcast. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, backtracking to how Vietnamese people kind of very much don't like China. I'm I'm really scared to tell him that my boyfriend is part Chinese. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. But Keep you updated. Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, we thought that we should end this podcast on some positive thoughts. We find that throughout this pandemic and this election, what really helped us was finding community, especially virtual communities, like the Facebook group Asian Americans with Republican Parents Support Group. Shout out to my friends for introducing or inviting me, and then shout out to Cookie for finding it. I think you're doing amazing. We love you. <laughs> and just venting with friends, I feel like we have multiple group chats we were just like oh my dad just did this my uncle just said this we understand it's extremely frustrating and it's difficult and obviously we want to say something and confront our parents but at the end of the day they're not gonna listen to us they're very much gonna always believe that they're right even mm-hmm. if they're not so i guess the best thing that we can do is continuing to educate ourselves and future generations whoever they may be So, thank you for listening to this episode of Allegedly Okay. Please follow us on Instagram. We also have a Twitter and TikTok at the same handle. There's nothing on there, but maybe we got some followers. There would be. Yeah, we we do cool stuff sometimes. (laughs) Oh, um, shout out to whoever it is in India and New York. We see you. Oh, also Kentucky. I don't know. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Um, our continued support from Colorado and, of course, our family. <laughs> no, not our family. <laughs> our friends. Yeah, our friends. Our friends. Because our families definitely don't know. <laughs> well, my mom knows, but she doesn't. She's not listening. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay, thank you again. Okay, bye. <laughs>